We came for salvation. We came for family. We came for all that's good. That's how we'll walk away. Aloha. Welcome to the Layman's Lounge podcast. I'm pretty excited today to have Marinus DeYoung, and we're going to discuss the overlooked neo-Calvinist, if we want to call him that, or loyal opposition, as James K.A. Smith calls him, um, Klaus Skilder. Brother, good evening. 10 o'clock over where you are in, in the Netherlands. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, and uh, I'm always excited to talk, talk Skilder, even if it's 10, uh, if it's 10 in the evening. Um, so it's great to be here. Thank you. Why is... Um... Man, the, the question I, I'm most curious about is why is Skilder sort of like the unknown guy? But before, like, everyone knows Bavink, Kuiper, Burkauer, um, you know, but, but why not Skilder? But before we get there, can you just give us an intro on who Klaus Skilder is? Yeah, so... So he's 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 a second generation neo Calvinist. So he operated within like the churches that were defined by like the big two, Bavik and Kuiper. Um, and he lived like 30, 40 years after them. So they 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 had so he was born in 1890. So he started his is he became a pastor in 1914, which is like five six seven years before Bavik and Kuiper died so they he, he really like took over when they um when they passed away so in that sense the second generation he was born and raised in the Netherlands and 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 completely a part of the reformed churches shaped by Bavik and Kuiper um and so first he was a pastor um in different churches throughout the country uh until in 1934 he became a professor of dogmatics at the seminary in Kampen. So the second half of his year of his life until 1952, he died at the age of 62. Um, he was a, a he was a pastor. Um, he was a professor at the seminary in Kampen of dogmatics, teaching and writing. And he he has published a lot. So I've got like well, you can see the um, you can you can, well if you if you see the video, you can see it behind me. There's a couple of shelves books that he published. So already as a pastor, he wrote a lot um, and, and later even more as a professor. Um, so, yeah, that's that's like very briefly. Um, and I, I really like the the way Jamie Smith and you just you just you just quoted that, like calls him he's like loyal opposition. So he's really within New Calvinism uh, and, and sees himself completely as a student of Bavik and Kuiper. But he also starts to criticize mm-hmm. Um and he he was really he was very polemical in nature. So he he when you read him, you're like, oh, he's just he wants to like uh, he, he wants something completely different. He is criticizing common grace and sphere sovereignty and all like the, the new Calvinism. But it's more rhetoric than that. He's really distancing himself from it. You you have to read between the lines in that sense. So, so that like a very brief sketch. So you um, you did your thesis on him. Um, and will you just remind me the the name of your thesis? Because that alone is really compelling and enough to draw us in to, to consider Skilder. Yeah, so the title of the thesis, which is not has not been published yet, is uh, The Church is the Means, the World is the End. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Okay, I, I want to hit a little bit of that. But before we do, 
Um, I mean, the reason we're even coming together now is because of this book, this skilleder reader that um, you just, there it is, that you just edit. Um, and I know we've got Mao making a cameo on there. Can you, can you just give us a real quick overview of what this book is? Is this like a biography? Is this selections of his writings? And of the selections, how is it broken down? And why did you guys choose these ones? Yeah, so um, it, it got out really recently, this book. Um, and what it is, it's, um, it's just a collection of his writings that me and my co-editors have selected from his vast oeuvre. We selected according to a number of topics, uh, the, what we think are the most relevant pieces for today. Uh, had them translated by people who actually speak proper English. So I didn't translate myself. Um, <laughs> So, um, and then we annotated them. So there's footnotes, which are very necessary introductions to every text. And, and also I wrote a general introduction, which is like a 20 page brief survey of Schilder's theology and life. Um, and so it's divided into a number of sections. So we started with Schilder's American lectures. Um, that's the lectures he gave in the United States in 1939. Uh, and we have the notes of those lectures. Mm -hmm. um, so it, uh, we know Schilder used those notes, so we we think they are quite reliable. Um, so that's like, and we thought it fitting to start with those lectures because those were his message for the United States, right? I mean, this is what he what he put up here, and it gives a nice overview of, of a few uh, theological topics. And um, for the rest, um, we have we have a, a thematic approach. So we have culture and common grace. It's one 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 section. Um, then there's the church, which we, we should probably talk about a bit later. Because it's it's a, it's a key, I think, a key element of a thought and also a key critique of New Calvinism. He has, and then we have Karl Barth. Um, really fascinating about Schilder, like Burkauer, is that he engages with Barth. He is a New yeah. Calvinist, but different from Burkauer, he doesn't become a Barthian himself. He is. Yeah. Um, he's, he, he remains very critical of Bart. Mm. Um, so a few texts on that. Then there is redemption history, uh, the fifth section, which is about preaching, about redemptive historical preaching, um, where you also, we have a few sermons of his and meditations, but also a text where he, where he writes what it is according to him. And then, um, the last part is more historical. Um, it's part six. It's, it's, it's articles he wrote, against the Nazi occupation of the Netherlands in the Second World War. Um, these were famous articles who were read widely in the Netherlands at the time. And just a beautiful example of, a, of, of like how a new Calvinist thought like, well, works out concretely in this specific context of the Second World War of German uh, occupation. And real he, quick, he, he got locked up for those, right? Yes, so he, yeah, so he published quickly is one of the first actually and called for resistance against the nationals. Now, not so much like um, violent resistance, but like spiritual resistance saying, this is really something dangerous and we need to prepare to get ready to, to oppose this ideology and, 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 and the people who bring the, this ideology. And then after a couple of weeks, uh, they forbade like the, the journal he published in and put him, he, they incarcerated him and, um, mm -hmm. For a couple of months so yes that's 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 part of his history as well so skilder is out there opposing and wasn't like kuiper's kids like part <laughs> like pro nazis and all that stuff 
Yeah, well, it, it, this is a nuanced story, but um, it's true that the H.H. Kuiper, which is one of the sons of Abraham Kuiper, who was a professor of dogmatics at the Free University, um, he was more, more like friendly towards the Germans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he had a different sense and part of their polemics. They were already in polemics before the war yeah. on many issues, but they, well, they didn't get better because of this. Yeah, um, right, right. They definitely had different, different positions on that. Yeah. So, okay, so we've got his sort of American lectures, which were not the Stone lectures, right? He didn't get the invitation. No. He didn't no. get the invitation like Bob Vink nope. or Kuiper. So, which kind of brings me to my question. Why, why isn't he well known? I mean, you, you literally, I know. So we have, well, let's start with this. English translations of Skilder. I mean, before knowing you, I, I only knew of Christ and Culture, um, the one that had which is like a kind of a short book, you know, almost like a glorified pamphlet, which Richard Mao had re- written an intro in, I don't know, maybe like 2012, or I don't know when that was. And then, and then we hear about these, uh, I guess they're called the the trilogy. And then, and then I just recently found out there's some um, like devotionals that he has penned that are available in English. So can you maybe give us an overview of what he, what's available that you know of like in English and then you said you've got whole shelves behind you. I didn't even know he had that much output. So can you kind of give us what are some things that he wrote? What's in English? And was he chiefly like, like for Kuiper, I feel like Kuiper liked theology and, and he, you know, he's pastoral in a sense, but everything was sort of in the context of like politics and, and society. And, you know, he's kind of up there in the upper echelon. Um, as far as Skilder though, in connection with his writings, what, what was like his, what was his thing? Maybe it was the church or may, whatever it might be. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he, l- l- let's get to the, the question of why he's not so well known, right? I mean, well, why, why have you never heard of him? So you, you mentioned the, the, the works that were translated. Um, so Christ and Culture is like available. You can, you can buy it. it. There's a second edition that was second translation. It was done in 2015, I think. Mm-hmm. Christ and Suffering was translated in the 30s already. Um that's like a, a trilogy, three thick volumes of meditations on on, uh, on on the suffering of Christ. They're beautiful. They were widely read back then. For example, we know that Cornelius Van Til, he was really fond of those, mm-hmm. uh, uh, fond of those meditations and read them every, uh, every Lent. Um, and he apparently even made a translation of them himself, which is supposed to be somewhere in the Van Til archives. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, we should we we should maybe get that published at some point. Let's go. Um, hey, let's I'll meet you over there. Let's let's get a beer and let's see if we can't uncover those things, huh? Yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but then um, the, these questions and sufferings volumes are, are no longer available. You cannot buy them anymore. Um, and I think there's a number of reasons why Schilder is not accessible and has not become so so well known. Um, an important part of that, that answer is the schism he got caught up in in the, in the 40s. So um, he was part of that Caparian New Calvinism churches in the Netherlands. But then in 1944, there was a, in the war, during the war, there was a big schism in the churches. And he was, he was one of the leaders in that schism. And he was like deposed as a minister and professor in 1944. Mm-hmm. And uh, consequently started his own, like a separated reformed churches that issued from that a brother, Kuiperian New Calvinist Church. Um, and that denomination became 
um, quite isolated. Um, and I think his heritage became also isolated because of the isolation of, um, of that denomination. So he, he became the denomination, although most of his life was before it. Um, like it theologically, it, it's not true, but it, it's what happened. Um, and in, on the U.S. side, uh, so Schilder visited the U.S. in 1939. Um, he, he, he lectured in, in many places, mostly Christian Reformed. So I think he went, he went to California as well, by the way. He, he oh. went to, to Iowa, California, and, and, and started, I think, in, in Grand Rapids. But mostly CRC uh, networks he was in. And that was a success, his first trip. And then in 46, he made a second trip. But then as a pastor of the, of a professor of the, like the, the separated churches. And then the, the relation with the CRC was also much more difficult. And he, and, and he was associated with Protestant reformed, Huxema, yeah. um, who, who criticized common grace like he did. But then Schilder and Huxema didn't get along as well either, uh, very well. <laughs> a true Kapirian. So, yeah, a true Kapirian, exactly. So I think... These both these events, especially schism, accounted for the fact that Schilder's reception got also isolated, both in the Netherlands because because it's the same in the Netherlands actually, and also uh, on uh, on the United States uh, because he got as, as associated with the PRC um, folks and 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 not so much with the broader stream of, of Dutch Neo Calvinism. So I think these two, and then added to is to that is I think in Dutch is that his language is. This is not very. It's it's more difficult to read Schilder than to read Bavik and Kuiper. Hmm. Um, his language is was very fitting for the time. Um, people people thought he was a literary writer, hmm. considered him as such also, especially in the beginning. But that that made that his language got dated also more quickly. Hmm. Um, and um, yeah, so and that combined with a lot of polemics, he's just less less accessible to read. Um, and, and if you if you pick up the reader and, and, and you start reading, you will also find that it's still the case. It's it's just more he has a less structured, less dogmatic, um, uh, structured mind, less than Kuiper and Bafink and Burkauer, for example. It's it's more polemic, more in action, um, which makes it nice. I mean, he's he's always on fire in some ways, and I, I like that on him. But it's it's less structured and less yeah less less accessible. So I think that's the, the, these are. Uh, th th these are the reasons why why he's less less known. So when when I think of Skilder, um, as far as like subjects or the first thing, not so much having read him, but when I think about people talking about him, the things attached to him is sort of um, his view on common grace, polemics with Kuiper, um, and like sort of the the pre fall covenant and um maybe super like every single thing is like biblical theology i think those are the things that come to my mind oh and that he's like is like uh popular in canada those are like the first things that come to my mind so can you explain the canada connection but also of those things that i just said are would those would he say that those are his things too what were what were the things that he was concerned with yeah yeah, so just very briefly on the Canada connection, that is because the the churches, like the the what they were called Freigemarkt, liberated churches. That's that's the the name of the denomination. These people moved to Canada after the war, and they kind of uh, started. So there's a lot of like Skildarians who moved to Canada after the war, 
and they started the Canadian Reformed churches, which are well, which are full of, full of people who also issued from the same schism that Schilder led. So that's 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 where the link comes from. So Canadian Reformed Theological Seminary in Hamilton is is their seminary right now, mm. and that's where also where we had the book launch. So that that that's where your association comes from. Mm. Um, and then your your other question. So yeah, I think I guess critique on common common grace. He would recognize that I think um, as like something important for him. Um, Karl Barth would definitely be also something very important for him. His critique on Karl Barth, and I, if if you want, I can I can explain a bit more where, yeah. where that is about. Um, so that would be very important, um, and I think also the church, and that's which is the topic of the dissertation uh, of my dissertation. So um, yeah, how to how to think of the church in relation also to the cultural mandate? I think that that was really on his mind, mm. and in the second part of his. Um, of, of his life, the covenant also, it's something you mentioned. Uh, I think he, he, he really did some creative work there. Uh, although it's late, late development, only from like 35 onwards, he starts writing about that. So it's, it's um, some people say he was a theologian of the covenant. Then I say, well, yeah, he became, but um, many things that he said about the covenant, he already said before, but then in different words. Um, so yeah, I think these would be, these would probably be the key. So you're you're not that that far from from I think a good a good characteristic of him. So so like when, um, oh I, my first question before that one is who who's sort of carrying on the the Skilder the Skilderite. So like would you consider yourself one? And I know that like Nelson Klosterman was like just a big fan. John Barrick's a big fan. Who else are like um, Bill Jong? Who are other people who are like yeah, we, we love Skilder and really are like sort of at the forefront. Hmm. Is there any well, I do? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I, I would not like, I, I would, I don't, I'm, I would, I, I call myself a new Calvinist, but I would not call myself like a, a Skilderite, I think. I mean, I, I know his thought well, but I also think there's a lot of problems in it. Hmm. Um, so, but, but what I, in, but in some ways I do, and that is, that is in a way that I really, um i don't know i i, I just the, what i just said about him being like on fire always and always engaged mm -hmm. in something that's just something i like about him um, mm -hmm. um i mean bavik is, is very I'm, i mean i i really love bavik and schilder is you cannot understand schilder without bavik but bavik is always very like yeah he's just considering from a distance what's and, and weighing all the options and having yeah. this broad overview of everything that's there and it's very nuanced yeah and um, skilder is not nuanced he's just like he's going for it <laughs> so he just you, you see him sitting in his study reading something in a, in, a, in a church weekly and saying, oh this is this is bad this needs this needs to be i need <laughs> to count it and he just sits down and writes and and doesn't really reflect on whether it's really smart to, to write in this way, but he just goes for it. Right, um, right. And uh, I mean, I, this can also become problematic, and it, and it did become problematic for him. It, be, it was too polemical. Mm -hmm. But if you have a Christianity that has nothing of that, nothing of that like yeah. ardor, um, then it becomes like bland, and yeah. and I don't know. So I, I guess that's something I like about it. I mean, he's also existential. Like it's always. It, it matters to him and you you can you can just feel that that it that it was something um that just he needed to gospel and oh, that i he love that i love that yeah yeah and i and i think he was kind of fighting for that 
Oh my gosh. Um, it wasn't many just people like, it wasn't yeah. just a hobby for him. He really, no. these were no. real, real things to him. I, here's a question of, like about that. If, um, I mean, he just sounds a lot like Kuiper, right? He's, yeah. I think he was also an editor of a newspaper as well for, for a while. And then he's just a lot of polemics and a lot of responses. So for those who are rank and file, who are listening to this podcast, who are just like, oh, this sounds like a theologian's theologian, right? Um, but, but he is more than that. And you, like you're sort of saying like this, he's a heart on, you know, he's a burning heart as it were. What, I mean... So like Kuiper's meditations are super depressing to me, right? I'll read those. Oh, really? Are they? Oh my gosh. Cause I'm like, am I even a Christian? I mean, Kuiper is like sitting in the lap of Jesus and Jesus is walking down the road to Maus with him. And they're like best friends caught up in the third heaven. And I'm like, I have no experience whatsoever like that. Um, it, oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I really I don't have that. And I'm even like sort of a charismatic too, but I I never have sort of so that's why I'm really drawn to sort of the legal aspects, right? The 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 forensic and the in Christ, this sort of thing. Yeah, um yeah. how is how is Skilger situated as far as like le the legal place um in Christ and emotions or lack of and objectivity and comfort and security yeah yeah so he i mean he is like kuiper in the way that he's polemical but he is very different because kuiper was the, was elite right he he was he no he i mean he he was kuiper was a free university professor he was a politician yeah. he was a prime minister i mean he was he was part of the elite of the netherlands schilder was not not at all mm. um of course he at some point became a professor and kind of became part of the elite um but he was a working class boy. I mean, yeah. his dad, like he was, was he worked in a cigar uh, factory in Compton. Um, and actually his mother, um, so his father died at a young age and his mother, um, she, he was like, a, was like a maid in one of the houses in Compton. He was born in Compton and he later became the owner of that house as a professor oh, where his mother, yeah. you see, so he, there was also this like huge um, emancipation in his life. So I think in that sense, it he, he was really different. And um, and his meditations are also very different from Kuiper's. They, they're, there's, well, the, the, like the same, um, they, they, they don't have the, like the pietistic, uh, the, the pietism Kuiper has. It's, it's very, it is, it is kind of, some people find it weird, his, his meditations. It's very objective in many ways. He just, yeah. he, so he, you may, you might actually like his, his meditations um, in the sense that it really, well, there's this there's this struggle in finding solid ground, right? That's that's what he's always that's what he's always looking at in some ways and finding objective anchors um, mm -hmm. in scripture, um, but also just in revelation in God's works in history. Um, but there's also the struggle to find to see it. Um, mm -hmm. I really love his uh, his meditations. Uh, he wrote during the First World War. They were bundled as the title is Light in the Smoke. I mean, that's like Licht in the Rook. Well, the, the title itself says something of it, I think. Mm. Um, so it, it, it's, this is a, a meditation we published and had translated for the reader. Um, 
And then you just see him like it, it feels almost Bardian sometimes, even though he didn't know Bard yet, but yeah. they just had the same experience of the first yeah. world war. Yeah. Um, you see him struggling with like God being hidden in the in the in the horrors of the war. I mean, how, how can we still speak of God? You feel this question is really is isn't this a burning question for him? How, how can we still do? But then like through the smoke, he's like, so the meditation is about Genesis 15, about Abraham. Who, who has this light, well, has this light in the smoke when, 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 when the covenant is sealed, right? And he uses that image as an image of God's revelation, where there is light, but it is, it is, it's concealed, or there's smoke around it all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's that, so there, there's the, like the security of the light that is there. Yeah. God does clearly reveal himself, but it is, it's also hidden and it's difficult for us to see. And there's always, it's, it's surrounded with problems, so, so to say. Mm. So what so, of the of the what is it the klein leuten right like the the little the little yeah, yeah. guys right of which sounds like he was one yeah. um for the for the klein leuten of today who are listening to that like me like i'm not a pastor i'm not a theologian like mm-hmm. um who people who aren't so interested in bart but they but you know but some people need to engage with bart or they're not so interested you know or or whatever in other words what comes down to us and clearly you guys have selected things that would also help, you know, in, engage us. Like, I just want to, you know, I want to love my wife. I want to like, I want to, you know, I believe in the culture, you know, the cultural mandate. I, I just want to, just want to be a good guy. I want to like love God, love others, and just try to just be a good man. What, what does he have to say for that? As far as direction, exhortation, further foundation, building it out, yeah yeah so um two things come to my mind first first thing go to church (laughs) um and so let me just briefly explain what i mean by that so he in many ways he says the weak link of new calvinism is that they that the church risks of becoming less important than it should be Mm -hmm. um and that entails the risk of secularization that we um so if we for example we take he was right look at all these liberal kyperians man it's insane yeah true um yeah so and what his emphasis is that we 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 don't need like theories about the church or we don't need uh, we don't we don't even need reform principles in order to structure our society we just need people who go to church um very simple who go and listen to a sermon to the word of god explain to them who celebrate the sacraments uh come together to sing the psalms in his context there were were mostly uh, psalm singing um and kind of so if we if we need if we want cultural mandate if we want all spheres of life to be for christ we just need people who go to church and root there in the word of God and then go with what they learn there to their everyday life and so just um, be, be shaped at like good ethical um, Christian beings to, in, mm. to, be, to enable them to just do their work normally. Mm. Um, so that's first thing, the church. And so that's where Schilder keeps hammering on the church's institution. So he says church's organism, that's, that's a nice invention, but it's problematic because it suggests that the real church is the organism and that the church's institution is not um, not really important. That is not what Kuiper wanted. Um, 
but he just says it's a consequence of what the distinction could uh, entail. Mm. So he says church is the institution. That's what the church should be. Mm. Just a place where you have, which has a confession and which has uh, ministers who explain the word of God, who preach it, who administer the sacraments. Um, so that's the first one. Go to church. Um, and then I think it's the second one. So the, the whole idea of the cultural mandate is Schilder's idea. Um, I, I haven't found these words in Bavik and Kuiper in this way. Maybe someone's going to show it to me, but I haven't. And I, and I, have, I see Schilder doing it. So in Christ and Culture, he says the creational mandate or the cultural mandate. These are his words. Um, of course, the idea is there in Kuiper and Bavik, but he, 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 just, he, he moves it in, in, into this direction. Mm. Um, and so if you ask, what does it mean, the cultural mandate? What, 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 is it, what, what does it imply? And th then it's just very, it's very simple. And in, in, in a certain way, it just, it just says like, and that's also what I want to say with the title of my dissertation is that, so God created us to till the earth, to subdue it, to fulfill it. We know that it's the mandate in, 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 uh, in, in Genesis 2. Um, and that just means for him, do our jobs, whatever it is whether it is spreadsheet, whether it is uh, fishing, whether it is um, working with lumber or plumbing or whatever, it's just that work, that is the mandate. Um, mm -hmm. And the covenant also that God made with us is mostly about this, just about this kind of work we have to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and it's that work that is beautiful to God. But in order to do this work after the fall, we need to go to church because there we learn how to do the work in a good way. Mm. And we learn how to praise God with it. Mm. Um, and, and also what I, what I really love about, about his idea of the cultural mandate, and this is something you can read in, in, in Christian culture, um, is that he is not triumphalistic at all. There, mm. there's, people have mistaken him for it, and, and also Kuiper, but there's nothing like, he's not expecting fantastic things to, to happen um, following the cultural he's not expecting a christian culture or a, right. or, a, or, a, or a or a christian nation or anything of the no he's just he calls it truncated pyramids you see so we 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 we, we build but they're truncated we, we they, they don't finish that only happens in the eschaton on the new earth yeah yeah so it's very down to earth practical not expecting too much but just like do your everyday work and do it do do it for god mm -hmm. can you like can you, this might be, this might be a tall order, but can you distill down and contrast a day in the life, uh, Kuiper, a day in the life of what a normal dad, just a normal dad who works a normal nine to five job. And then when he's done, he, you know, he, he goes and plays the guitar and plays with his kids and watches TV, eats dinner, talks to his wife and goes to sleep. Can you distill down? Maybe what you think Kuiper would want that day to look like and what Skilder, knowing there's so much overlap, but where might they part in particulars? Is that too, is that too nuanced? Can you get crazy right now? <laughs> it's an interesting question. Um, or is it, would it look the same, but the motivations might be different or the desired outcome? I, I, I doubt if it would look differently the day they would have envisioned. Mm. Um, so I, I have this discussion with 
uh, Atte Bruyne, who is one of my colleagues in Kampen. He's the, the professor of ethics. Um, and and he, he, he's, a, he's, he's a Kuiper scholar. He knows a lot about Kuiper. Um, and, and often when I talk to him and, and I say something I discovered in Schilder, he says, yeah, well, Kuiper said that too. <laughs> um, so he, he always says that, that in the end, they're not that different. And of course, the, the problem with Kuiper is you can, there's many Kuipers. You can always like find in there what you want to find there. Um, and he contradicts himself often as well. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So I, I would say that Kuiper would probably recognize himself in, in what Schilder wants to do, but that most of Schilder's work is just warning against ways in which you can take Kuiper's thought, mm-hmm. um, which may be problematic. So, and, and he saw himself as he, he keeps saying, I mean, I am, I'm, I'm a student of Kuiper. I'm just like trying to repeat and to keep what they want to do there. And well, they, many people accused him of going away from Kuiper, but I think it's not at all what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we, we really, yeah, I think his his value, his contribution is is just warning us against uh, against problems in in which the theology, um, the new Calvinist theology may go. And and what is so interesting about that? And I'm I'm moving away from your question. You you've 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 noticed that. You you may call me back to your question. <laughs> um, um, but um, so you you mentioned J, uh, James K. Smith, and he he also he's also he also has critiqued. Um, the new Calvinist tradition, right? He, he does. He, he is part of it, but he, he's also critical. And in fact, he is very, his critique is very similar to Schilder's critique. Mm. He also says, don't forget about the church. Mm. And he says, well, maybe common grace is just a little bit too optimistic. Well, these are kind of the two things Schilder also said. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think it, the weeks of both of them would not... Um, well, it's, it's a question I need to, and I need to think about more, but I, but my, my first answer would be that it would not be very different. Hey, you're doing good for, um, 10 40 PM on a, on a <laughs> Tuesday night. Gross. Good, good, good. So <laughs> what about, okay. What about this? What is the connection for Jesus living and dying on the cross, the second Adam to, um, the cultural mandate like as i'm go- okay i'm gonna i'm gonna make this spreadsheet right now here it goes here it goes right now i'm a christian i belong to christ i'm hidden in him i'm belonging to him. everything's a spiritual act of worship in what does that have to do with jesus jesus already died for me saved me from my sins so i'm i'm gonna be go to the new heavens and new earth when i die what is the connection between my nine to five job that that specific snapshot of me making an, an excel spreadsheet with jesus christ other than the fact that he has secured salvation for me well it may i think it it kind of would be that it's just um Well, so because Schiller emphasizes so much that that the cultural mandate started, like where it's all about is what God said in Genesis creation, right? What God said in Genesis 2. So that's just doing your spreadsheet. That's good. Um, so maybe it doesn't even have to do much with it. Oh my gosh, I love that you said that. I fully agree. 
then are we going to get busted for having a low Christology now, but we're having a higher place for, I guess, God, as it were, not that they could be separated, but like, I hated asking you that question because it kind of puts you in a corner, but I've always thought that. And it makes me feel a little bit better that you said the same thing, but how, but in like the culture I live, everything's got to be all, all about Jesus. And if right. it's not, then you're a total heretic. You're wrong. You're leading people astray. It's all about Jesus. But it's like, I often wonder, like, cause I try to live by this, like, like, like Skilder, I really try. I make spreadsheets for my job. And mm -hmm. as I'm making them, I'll tell you my motivation. I think this way, this might be wrong, but I'm like, all right, here, I'm gonna make this spreadsheet. I shouldn't like, I shouldn't cut corners on. I should kind of do a good job. And what is my motivation? Well, it's not so that I'm doing good works and Jesus will save me because I'm already in Christ. So I'm not worried about that. My motivation is if I was in Eden before the fall or in the new heaven, the new earth, I would simply reflect, reflect God's image the original design for me and just do it well just that that's it it's not very spiritual but sometimes i feel guilty because i don't got enough jesus in there <laughs> no 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 i think it's it's kind of just that jesus enables you j just to do the work as god has once intended you to do it mm -hmm. um so <laughs> yeah I, I i think i would i mean of course you can never say that christ is not important um He's very important because without him, it would not be possible to do it. Mm. But yeah, I, I kind of doubt that you need to make the connection between Jesus and your spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think I, because it's just very, it's also very, I mean, how, how could you, it's, 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 it's difficult to make the connection, right? It's, yes. it's just not very easy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I agree, but then, but, um, but then maybe, um, but th there's of course an ethical connection, right? You you have to you you, you want to do it good, yeah. um, and and you're going to be helped by the fact that you know that you don't have to do everything here and now because that's, there's mm. there's some eschatological mm. reservation in your work, right? It's not it's you don't have to get everything out of this life because. Mm there's going to be an eternity. So I think, I guess that's also an important part of what mm -hmm. enables your work. Um, so what do you, that that's good. I'm glad you went there, brother. Well done. Yeah. Again, it's super late for you. Where do you think skilled or like, like where I'm, I'm going to hit you with two questions where, and they might be the same response. I don't know, but where do you think skilled or skilled or has like, given us the most either like built upon you know Kuiper and Bavink or maybe even departed or nuanced or where, where is he like or even objected because we do appreciate that because we actually enjoy Kuiper and these guys where do you where do you think he's like he was sort of at his best and he really moved something forward and then the other part is why do you love that guy do you love him or he's just a historical oddity and interest for you and you needed a thesis or you kind of love him no um huh. no i think why i love him is is i think because what i just what i said earlier that i just feel that something is that that there is um mm. that there is this deep like existential commitment in his writing that he just that he was that he just 
well that, that like all the all the violent rhetoric which he uses about the church is just because he needed the church so much wow. he just needed a community of the church and he needed the he needed the sermons he needed like because he he was lonely i think very often i think we i think he was a lonely man mm. um so i think it's that layer um what i like about him so much is that you just feel that it's it's it is it, it really means something to him and he's not like doing theological um like plays of words or polemics and he doesn't have a mistress like bart He's not no. just waxing on and like have two wives or whatever. No, definitely he had he, but he 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 but well on the contrary he he hadn't he had an unhappy marriage but he but he but he 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 well he was faithful to to his wife for for all of his life. He had a what uh, marriage? An unhappy marriage. Oh really? Yes, we well of course yeah yeah that's that's what we can like we 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 don't know no for sure. Um, um, and there hasn't been a biography of Schilder yet, but there, there's many reasons to believe uh, he had. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just another. I'm not saying I have an unhappy marriage or you do, but just another re reason. He's sort of like one of us. Right. He's he's just a normal guy because a lot of Christians have unhappy marriages. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he was that, I think. Yeah. I, so uh, what Um. back to that question, though, what do you where was Schilder's greatest moving something forward? um either building upon or dissenting from yeah so well i think one thing that i already mentioned is the idea of the church mm -hmm. um so the risk of course in saying that our spreadsheets don't really need jesus is that we're going to forget about jesus altogether mm. um and we're just secularizing and we're just we just become it god just becomes obsolete right that that's that's kind of a risk in there um and i'm i'm, I'm kind of still thinking about your question i, I really like it the, the way you make it very concrete in your questions and very down to earth it's it's really good you we we, we need people like you asking theologians these kind of questions it's it's very good <laughs> and provoking um but yeah i think like he's what he saw and, and this is something as a I'm, I'm a pastor now in amsterdam in the church and which is a, a big city and for dutch standards um and, and a very secular city mm. um and i feel like if i look to the people in my church i, I just feel exactly i think what he mm. felt as well is that without the church we're just we're just gonna lose it we, we're not gonna make it we need a strong we need a strong community, a strong church with mm. preaching and sacraments where people come together mm -hmm. um, just in order to survive as, as Christians and to, 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 keep, to keep the link and to keep the faith. Um, and that's also something you, and he just maybe different from, well, the late Bafink also started to feel that in the late Kuiper as well, yeah. to really feel how secularization was, was, was growing, was coming. Yeah. Um, but Schilder felt it even more, even though in his time it wasn't the case yet because everybody in the Netherlands went to church. Right, right. No, Marinus, I think it's cool. Like, and this is going back to what you said earlier. And Bobbing said something like this. And I think it's the most accurate, uh, accurate thing for today. And that is like, do you want to be a radical world changer? Just like get married and have kids and like go to church and just try to like, you know, work well and be honest and don't exactly. surf on, don't surf on the internet while you should be working yeah 
you no, know, exactly. and just have a family. That is the most radical. It's very, I feel like it's actually easy if someone put a gun to my, are you a Christian? I'm like, yeah, but it's really hard to be on the clock and not to look at Facebook. That's way harder. <laughs> it's, very, it's very hard. Yeah. But I think that that kind of captures what he, what he, what it, it, it does kind of capture what he's trying to say. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's 10 50 year time. It's going to close out with you. Um, I'm going to get, I'm going to give you two options here to go with one option is talking about the drama. Cause, cause the masses love drama. What is, what was the, the, um, the nature of the schism and, you know, his departing from Kuiper and what, what was, what was it where he disagreed and what did he say and how did people respond? You can either go that way or you could go the way of, um, oh, what was it? What did, what, what do you think that Skilder has the most for us for today? No, I won't do that because you'll say church. Sorry, I'm gonna. We're gonna just go with the one then. The schism, sure. man. What was what was that all about? Oh, I know. I know a good one, and it might be overlap. But what's you could? I think it is the same thing. But his emphasis on like the covenant pre-fall. Mm. Go where you want, brother. Yeah um well the schism is really a sad story so i i I think we should leave the schism where it is it's interesting (laughs) but it's 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 just tragic in in many ways i think oh Um, that's sad brother wait real quick are there any skilder offspring still around have you ever met any of them yeah yeah i did yeah yeah there's many of his like uh, um no sons and daughters anymore but grandsons and and daughters yes i know a couple of them yeah oh that's awesome okay sorry cool yeah yeah, one of them is even a good friend. Um, his, his name is also Klaas. Yeah. What's up, Klaas? If you're listening, yeah. thanks, brother. <laughs> Keep it up. Yeah, yeah. He's he's great. He's great. He's great pastor. Keep the flame um, burning, Klaas. Yeah. <laughs> um. So maybe, maybe one thing, um, which connects to what you say about the covenant, um, but I'm going to go a little bit in a different direction. Um, is 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 what I would call is Schilder's um, how he was how he always wanted to emphasize that how important history is, um, and I don't mean history in the sense of um, what happened before us, but history in the sense of this world here and now, mm-hmm. how much that matters to God, um, and so he he started as I said in the First World War, uh, where it was very difficult to see. Um, how God connects to all the shit that happens in this world. Um, and Karl Barth in some ways said, no, well, we should say God is in a different kind of, God is really so far away from this world that he's distant, right? He's, he's far away. He's so transcendent that he cannot have any connection with this world. But Schilder would say the radical opposite. He would say, no, actually, it's, a, it's precisely in the vicissitudes of this world, in the war, in the trenches, in the horrible things, there God is present. Um, the light the light the fire and the smoke or whatever right that's the fire and smoke again exactly and of course it connects with the cultural mandate and how what we have to do is just do our jobs here in this world Mm -hmm. but it also means that god is present in whatever happens in this world he 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 has connected himself to this history Mm -hmm. um which which also means that if if the history is horrible that then god's judgments become visible in history that's that's what he says Mm -hmm. Uh, for example he says that about the war um but I, I find that something really comforting and, and I use it in my sermons. And I think it's just something very biblical. Um, mm-hmm. If you read the prophets, 
Um, I've been preaching the book of, I have no idea how you pronounce that in English. Is it Haggai? Yeah. Yeah. Haggai, yeah. I've recently preached that book and it, it just makes, I think, the same point that this, those people are in exile. They're trying to build the second temple and it's just not going that well. And then God, then Haggai comes and says, well, people of Israel, you, it doesn't look like anything, but God is with you. And he's going to make this temple into a fantastic temple. Okay. And that is something that didn't happen during their lifetime. It didn't even ever happen. It, it was something also eschatological. Um, but just the, like the deep emphasis on that God, God is, this world matters to God. Mm-hmm. That world that is subject to all kinds of wars, to climate change, to I don't know whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not, God is not far away from this world, but he's, he, is, he is in here. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, that, that's maybe a good note to him, but that, that's something I really think is is one of his one of his contributions, and and something that he could say even in times of war and crisis, which was all of his life, really. Mm. Um, I think that's really something encouraging, and also in our times, which are against again uh, times of crisis, are really something to uh, to, yeah. to remember and totally. to learn from him. Well, thank you. Yeah, and let the let the listener know, like Marinus here is. He's one of like, not the few, but man, it seems like so many neo-Calvinists are just on the liberal spectrum. But uh, from what I gather, he he's pretty, you know, pretty, pretty solid. And, you know, I mean, look, I mean, he's drawn to Skilder, who's all about the church. I think that sort of says says a lot right there. So, brother, thank you for your time. I'm so late for you. And um, the book again, I think it just came out like last week, if, if I'm not. Yeah, yeah it's. Yeah. I think, is it called the skill, uh, the skilder reader? Is that what yeah, it's called? called? The, the, the class skilder reader, the class skilder reader and Maris Jong, um, Richard Mao and George Herring were uh, sort of editors in that. And you wrote the intro. And then um, as we close out, do you have anything else coming up? I know you're part of a, a podcast. Is there any other thing, anything else cool that we should know about from you? Yeah, well, I hope my dissertation is going to be published. I'm, I'm working on that, um, and I would have loved it to be earlier. So that that, that would really be a great companion to the reader because it's mm. uh, it, it also has a kind of um, biographical approach to it, the book. So it, it really, I think, introduces Schilder as well by means of his thought on the church-world relationship. Mm. Um, so a lot of what I've said uh, during this hour is also in that book. So that that's, that's a new project. And I'm... Um, yeah, and then I'm going to start uh, something new, but that's 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 for later. So that's okay. that's, that's going to take some years before that that uh, becomes something concrete. But yeah, yeah, right on, brother. Well, thank you so much for you, and thanks for your labors. And brother, bless you as you're preaching over there in that difficult place, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me and for asking uh, such good questions. Um, really enjoyed the conversation. There's, there's a lot of them to think about for me. So thank you. We came for salvation. We came for family. We came for all that's good. That's how we'll walk away. We came to break the bad. We came to cheer the sad. We came to leave.